Welcome into another Busting Brackets podcast. I'm your host, Brian Ralph, joined as always by my co-host, Connor Hope, joined again by Arden Cravalho of Busting Brackets as well, talking some mid-major basketball on the West Coast today, down into the West Coast Conference and the Mountain West Conference. I don't think any conversation about West Coast basketball, let alone mid-major West Coast basketball, uh, can be had without starting with Gonzaga, Connor. Um, Just sort of a rinse-repeat year after year, Another year, they're going to be ranked in the top 15, top 20 of the country. Uh, see if they can make a run of returning to the Final Four. How how good do you think the Zags can be this year, even though they're going to have to replace guys like Rur Hachimura and Brandon Clark? I'm going to disappoint my fellow Zag uh, who's on the podcast with us. Uh, I just went through and, and I, uh, I put together my top 25 heading into this season. I have the Zags at 16. Oh, the uh, until until wow. they answer the questions surrounding Tilly's health, Killian Tilly's health, and, and granted, the procedure he's going through shouldn't keep him out uh, past the the tougher matchups, or it shouldn't keep him pat you know into those tougher matchups in December against some of those top top tier teams. Um, but you never know. He came back last year and he got re injured, so I needed I need that question to be answered. I also need the question of of Bala's eligibility to be answered because without those two, I, you know, a lot of their versatility in the front court kind of goes away. They have uh, Drew Timey and, and Philip Petrusev, but Petrusev is kind of a one dimensional big in a sense. Um, and so, you know, and, and their backcourt, they, they have two grad transfers coming in to play in their backcourt. We know Admon Gilder is going to be, solid he he played you know at the sec level and so he knows that you know the top competition they're going to face in the non-conference i want to see how ryan woolridge can can incorporate himself um because you're looking at a team that's led by Corey kispert and, and killian tilly and if tilly's not able to play at a high level the entire season i'm not so sure that they're a top 15 team and it might just be me being a little bit apprehensive, you know, as as a Gonzaga grad, not wanting to overrank them. Um, but I think there are a lot more teams out there that have the combination of, of skill and experience and health that I'm not willing to put Gonzaga that high just yet. Yeah, I thought uh, the Tilly news was a bit disappointing, of course, for a fellow Zag or a Zag fan. It always hurts when your big man goes down, who's done so much for the program. But um, I think this Zag team, with a healthy uh, Killian Tilly and ready to go, no injuries, nothing like that, they are capable of being a top 10 team. It does hurt when you lose a four-year, five-year player like Josh Perkins, who, especially at the point guard spot, but I think Admon Gilder, the transfer from Texas A&M, and Ryan Woolridge, the transfer from North Texas, they have a lot, a lot of experience under their belt, and they're ready to lead a top-tier program like Gonzaga, and they're ready for the job. I think that with with them, if they can do the job right and get everyone else like Corey Kispert, Philippe Petrusev, and a healthy Killian Tilly the ball and get them easy buckets, I think this Gonzaga team is a perennial uh, Elite Eight, possibly Final Four team. I don't. I, I still have major concerns about the court. Um, even, even I know Connor, you went over a little bit with, with the grad transfers they have coming in, but even the depth behind them, I, I 
I don't like their backcourt at all. Yeah. I was talking to Joel Ayayi. I did a little interview with him. But if you – Joel said that he was ready for the job. He thinks that he's capable of being that backup point guard. He's been working a lot. He did a lot of good job uh, work down at the FIBA with the, his France uh, national team. So I think if he can stretch the floor out a little bit, he's a capable passer. He can take it to the rim. If he can stretch the floor out to the three-point land, then I think the Gonzaga's backcourt will be just fine. Yeah, I think I mean AI uh, Rabbit. They need to they need to step up and perform because if they don't, and you really are reliant on Woolridge and Gilder to to perform at that uh, top tier level, and the rest of the backcourt isn't there yet, you're gonna see a lot of rotations where Corey Kispert has to play the two, and you bring in someone like Anton Watson or uh, Martinez Arlauskas to to play the three. Um, neither of whom is is uh, proven, you know, at the D1 level yet. I mean, they, they have a, a lot of talent, but because we haven't seen any of it yet, um, it's going to be hard to judge uh, just how good they're going to be this year. So, yeah, I, I have major concerns, you know, pretty much everywhere except the three, because I think that Corey Kispert is is relatively underrated um, as a as a high major athlete. And keep in mind, a lot of times we're grading on a scale when it comes to Gonzaga. They're still the odds-on favorite to win the WCC again this year, unless St. Mary's can take it from them, Arden. And St. Mary's is another team that might be ranked in the preseason top 25. If they're not, they're going to be one of those top teams also receiving votes. A lot of people like the Gales this year, and I don't know, it doesn't seem like you like them to over overtake Gonzaga in the WCC this year, but how good is St. Mary's? Oh, they're good. The Gales look poised for a huge year. You know, they shocked the nation last year by beating number one Gonzaga at the time in that WCC championship game. And I mean, so you, they're capable of being an NCAA tournament team as we saw. And the best part about it is that the returning four starters from last year, they're returning Jordan Ford, who can get you 20 any night. Malik Fitz, who can stretch the floor. Tanner Krebs and Tommy Coos. There's a lot of great potential there. And then coming in with them also, Aaron Menzies, a Seattle U transfer, will be eligible this season. He's a low down low. So they're top to bottom. They're set. They got a good roster. And Randy Bennett, I think he's got a good team down there that could potentially push to a Sweet 16. And they're playing some actual non-conference games and leaving the state of California. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. <laughs> they're playing – I'll give you the list right now I got in front of me. They're playing on on the road, Dayton, Wisconsin, Arizona State, California, Fresno State, and Nevada. And they also got Utah State coming to Moraga. That's awesome. It's a it's a very un St. Mary's non-conference schedule. So sure. uh, I got, give the Gales some credit for doing that. And I think we'll – because of it, we'll learn pretty early on just how good they are compared to some other years. Uh, and unlike some other years, Connor, uh, a lot of people think there is a legitimate third team in the conference in BYU. Some talk about the WCC potentially being a three-bid league if BYU can play up, their, up to their potential. Excuse me. Uh, how do you see the Cougars performing this year? Um, First of all, I just want to say I'm not as high on St. Mary's as Arden. Um, I think, yes, they returned four starters from the team that, that beat Gonzaga in the WCC tournament last year. 
I think their most critical starter against that Gonzaga team is gone um, in, in Jordan Hunter. I think he was the, the, really the main driving force behind them, being able to slow the ball down uh, against the Zags and force them to, to take shots in, in very congested uh, interior situations. Um, there's also rumblings that Zorix and Menzies might not be entirely healthy yet, so we'll have to see that. So I have them just on the outside of the top 25. As for BYU, I think that they will be solid. I'm hesitant to claim that they're a tournament uh, team. A, because Childs is missing the first nine games of the season, and I think mm-hmm. he's the most important player on that roster. Uh, B, because I'm not as high. I actually think that the second best player on that team is Jake Toulson, not TJ Haas. Um, but Haas is going to have hit the ball in his hands most of the time, and he tends to try and take those those big shots, which he can make at times, uh, but he's not consistent with them. Um, but I do think that they actually got an upgrade at their coaching position, you know, Taking nothing away from Days Rose, I think that Mark Pope is going to be a good breath, uh, breath of fresh air for this BYU roster. Um, but I think that they're closer to the fourth place team in the WCC than they are to to the second place team. Well, then, if if they're closer to fourth than second, who could be that team that kind of usurps them in the standings? I, I think you know I'm I'm actually on the border of whether or not I want to put Pepperdine above BYU. Um, I don't think I will simply because I don't think in a, in a what 16 game season, they'll have a better record than BYU, uh, especially with child's back. Um, but the combination of talent between Kessler Edwards, Cameron Edwards and Colby Ross is, is great. They have a, a former Oregon recruit in Keith Smith. That's going to be eligible. Um, Jade Smith is also a solid offensive weapon. Really, it comes down to the coaching of Lorenzo Romar, which we all know isn't stellar. Um, But they have, I think they have possibly more talent than BYU. uh, The further down you get into that four, five, six, seven uh, players in the rotation. Um, And I think Colby Ross, for me, is probably, if not the player of the year, uh, favorite, second behind Jordan Ford. Arden, who do you see as as the biggest threat to those top three? Is it Pepperdine or is it, is it somebody else? Well, actually, I agree with Connor on the fact. If you ask me that question, the question about BYU, will they be uh, an NCAA tournament team and will they continue to be in the big three of the WCC standings? If you asked me that three months ago, I would have been all over it. Yeah, for sure. But with now Nick Emery not playing basketball anymore, Yoli Childs, he's done. For, he's not going to be able to play for nine conference, non-conference games, which are, is absolutely huge. And then also recently, Gavin Baxter, the forward for the Cougars, suffered a torn labrum. He's missing the entire season for the Cougars. So I have them now at the fourth spot, and the uh, Pepperdine Waves will actually be taking that third spot away from the BYU Cougars, and the main reason why is Colby Ross. Colby Ross can do anything on the floor when it comes to the offense. He can shoot. He can uh, take it to the rim. He's a capable scorer from anywhere on the floor, and uh, I think with him, the Edwards brothers, and also 
um, Andre Ball, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball's cousin. I think that Pepperdine will finally get a chance to show what they got, get into that top three of the WCC standings, and potentially get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Who knows? We've seen weirder things. That would be something. That would we probably have seen weirder things, but not that many. <laughs> it would be it would be interesting. Um, I want to move over to the Mountain West Conference now. Team uh, conference that traditionally performs really well uh, sends a couple teams to the NSA tournament. Uh, Utah State, I, I think, is a virtual lock, and we can all agree on that, Connor. They're going to be uh, a top 20 team in the preseason, most likely. How far do you think they can go? Kind of what's their ceiling this year? Their their ceiling, honestly, is, is as far as Sam Merrill, I think, can take them. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to be focused on Nemes uh, Keita, uh, who mm-hmm. is probably the top NBA prospect in the Mountain West. But I still think that their their success rides on the shoulders of Sam Merrill. He's their starting one, um, and, and he's a pretty big one. So he can compete and he can defend the top score, whether it be your point guard, shooting guard, or even your 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 wing, your your small forward. But um, you know, those two are really going to be the lifeblood. I do like uh, Brock Miller, and I, and I think he has the ability to take that next step forward as a sophomore. Um, but outside of those, I think they're a top 20 team based on those three and, and some of the other pieces they have. But I'm not so sure how it's going to come together yet. Um, so we'll see there's a chance they end up being better than Gonzaga this year. Uh, No, I have, (laughs) I have them 16, 17. So there, there's a chance. Um, honestly, it's going to come down to, there are, I think fewer question marks in terms of freshman talent on Utah's state's roster. Um, a lot of their players are, are either Juco transfers or, or returning players who, who have kind of shown what they can do at the D1 level. Um, I think by the end of the season, Gonzaga will probably be better than Utah State, but at least at the start, I think Utah State will show a little bit more, if that makes sense. Arden, you're quick to say no there. Brian, how could you say that about my Zags? Come on now. I mean, Utah State, I know, of course, I know. Um, anytime... Uh, a team in college returns the Mountain West player of the year and also the teammate of the year. And then again, a defensive player of the year and freshman in the year. And that being Sam Merrill and Nemius Queda. And then he also got the Mountain West coach of the year, Craig Smith. I mean, you're returning everybody basically. That's pretty impressive for Utah state. So you got to always pay attention to them, but no, they, they can't beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga is far better and they have far many, uh, uh, good pieces down in the roster that I think uh, Utah State won't be able to handle, uh, especially when it comes to to their second unit. I think that's fair. Uh, I think Utah State probably has some more, maybe as many notable names as Gonzaga does, but I I don't know if the depth is necessarily there. Again, it depends on how far Maryland Kata can, can carry them and if they're able to elevate their games at all. Last year, we saw them do that late and push them past Nevada. 
of course, Nevada is an interesting place this year, Arden. Uh, no more Eric Muffelman, Jordan Caroline, the Martin twins are gone. Uh, Steve Alford's in. Uh, there's still some talent on, on this roster. It might look a little bit different. Do you think they can get back to the tournament this year? What's your outlook for them? No, it's going to be tough for them. Uh, Steve Alford has a tough job ahead of him down in uh, Reno. But uh, I do say uh, that Jazz Johnson, I mean, I don't have him as my player of the year, but he has the potential to be the player of the year for sure. He was the sixth man of the year for this team. Now he's going to be stepping into a bigger role with the uh, with Nevada. So I think if Jazz Johnson is able to uh, do as well as he did last season and then even more, uh, Nevada could be a tough out uh, in the Mountain West Conference, but no, they are not a NCAA tournament team. So, Connor, is this a runaway for Utah State during the regular season? Uh, during the regular season, that's tough. The more I look at it, the more I do like some of the pieces on the San Diego State roster, um, yes. some of the pieces on the New Mexico roster, and, and it may be surprising, some of the pieces on the Boise State roster. Do I think mm-hmm. any of those teams is going to win the Mountain West? No, but I think uh, San Diego State specifically with that backcourt of Flynn and, and Fagan um, could could find itself in the bubble conversation if, if the, the rest of the pieces hit. Um, but no, I, I think Utah State right now, uh, based on their, their experience, their coaching, their ability to play defense at a high level, is just going to be a little bit too much for, for the rest of the Mountain West. And I actually wouldn't be surprised at all if the Mountain West was a one-bid conference. Art, it sounds like you like San Diego State. Uh, are, are, do you view them as Utah State's biggest contender in the Mountain West? Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. They are going to be ending up as uh, – they're going to end up second in the Mountain West, but they're going to have some good battles with the Aggies for sure. And I would disagree with Connor. I don't think it's a one-bid league. I think it's a two-bid league with Utah State and San Diego State. Brian Dutcher, he's got a good backcourt with KJ Fagan and Michael Malachi Flynn, like uh, Connor said. Two transfers, one from Santa Clara and the other from Washington State. But they also have some other good pieces. They got Matt Mitchell in the as the forward, and they also got uh, Jordan Shackle, from uh, Bishop Montgomery High School. And then they also have a big-time recruit in Keyshaw Johnson from not too far uh, here in the Bay Area. So I think that he's got – Brian Dutcher has got the right pieces for the Aztecs to make a run into the NCAA tournament. Could they beat Utah State? Maybe they'll get one on them at home, uh, but I don't think they could beat the Aggies. So uh... – Sounds like there's a consensus on the top two teams in the conference. Yeah. Arden, if there is a team outside of that group who ends up uh, crashing the party, so to speak, earning a bid, maybe finishing in the top two, who would that surprise team be? That's a tough question, and I would have to go with maybe, I would say Nevada or UNLV, and I think I would have to lean more towards UNLV. I think that I had a a chance to talk with Donnie Tillman. He was also a transfer from Utah. I think Donnie Tillman is the X factor on this Utah or this UNLV team, and he could be a provider of a lot of wins for the uh, UNLV running Rebels. But will they ever actually get a chance at an NCAA tournament bid? Probably not. Connor, what about you? I know you only like 
the Mountain West has a one-bid league. If somebody gets a second bid and it's not San Diego State, who who would it be? It at least has the potential to pull off some sort of crazy run and, and make it. Honestly, when it comes to surprising runs like that, I think you have to look at talent. Um, and I think the team with the most talent, and I think they probably have more talent than San Diego State, it just hasn't seemed to come together for them yet, is New Mexico. Um, you've got mm-hmm. Jaquan Lyle, Carton Bragg, Vance Jackson, um, who else? Uh, J.J. Caldwell. They have a lot of talent on that Lobos team. Um, and I believe they actually have the uh, highest you know, recruited team. Their, their team, as freshmen coming in, their players have the highest average recruiting rankings. Um, of any team in the Mountain West. And so if those uh, players come together and and everything kind of falls into place, honestly, I think New Mexico probably could compete for the Mountain West title. Now, am I going to trust Carlton Bragg to to compete or be able to play an entire season? No. Um, Jaquan Lyle coming back from injury, am I going to trust him? Maybe. But, but I think that there, there, there's a lot more to like and a lot more assuredness at San Diego State and, and Utah State. Um, but I don't think we should discount Boise State at all because I, I, I think that Coach Rice has put together a really solid, really experienced team, um, and, and they, could, they could compete with the top teams in the Mountain West. So uh, I disagree. I don't think UNLV is going to be all that good this year, um, but we'll see. I mean, Otzelberger hasn't really coached a successful team that uh, didn't have a Mike Dom on it. And so this will be a, a good test for him. I'm not completely high on UNLV. I just think that would be the one outside team of uh, San Diego State and Utah State. Because, I mean, the Aztecs and the Aggies, they're, I'm telling you, they're running away. It's going to be a two-way chase for that title between these two teams. And that third team's not going to be even close. Looking ahead to the NSA tournament, I, I think we can all agree that no matter how many teams get in, I think we decided the West Coast Conference looking at a two-bid league with Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Uh, Connor thinks the Mountain West is one-bid league with Utah State. Arden thinks it's two, but either way, uh, a select few teams from these conferences getting into the NSA tournament. I guess you could throw St. Mary's in here, but it, of the St. Mary's, Gonzaga, Utah State trio, Arden, who goes the furthest in the NCAA tournament? And are any of them Final Four contenders? Um, none of them. Uh, I, I would say Gonzaga is the best out of all those three. No bias there, I'm telling you. And But, I mean, they have the potential to be a Final Four team, but this team does not compare to that 2017 or 2017 team or even last year's team. They're just they're missing that big guy they're missing that one dude that can get you a bucket whenever you need it and they also need they're missing that energy guy kind of like brandon clark was and Rui hachimura was last year so uh they have the potential to be a final four team but it's going to be rough it's going to be hard for them i don't think any team from the mountain west or the west coast will make it to the final four it would be a surprise if one of them did um Maybe not Gonzaga so much if, if things fall into place, but Connor, who do you who do you see going the furthest? I'd I'd have to agree. I, I think it's Gonzaga. Um, 
I, I disagree that they won't have an energy guy. I think that between uh, Killian Tilly, if he remains healthy the entire season, and Corey Kispert, they have plenty of energy guys on the defensive end in, in a similar vein to Jonathan Williams III, who created a lot of energy for that team on the defensive end, and Brandon Clark last year, who created a lot of energy for that team on the defensive end. I, I do agree that of those three, of those three teams – the Zags have the least clear lead score. And I don't think, outside of Tilly, possibly, um, there's not a player on that roster right now that I can point to as someone who is uh, a player that I would be comfortable or I would want with the ball in his hands at the closing minutes of a game. That said, I think depth-wise, talent-wise, Gonzaga is is clearly the most talented team of that trio. Um but I just don't think that they have enough uh, in the way of 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 top level scoring leadership um, to to compete much past the Sweet Sixteen. I don't even know if they're an Elite Eight team. Do they make the Sweet Sixteen? Does Utah State make the Sweet Sixteen? I'd say yes for Gonzaga, no for Utah State. I, I think that teams will, at least the top-level teams, the teams that will be competing for the Sweet 16, mm-hmm. will figure out how to neutralize uh, Merrill and, and Kata. Um, but I think that I would actually give St. Mary's, even though I have them ranked lower, a little bit of a better chance uh, to make the Sweet 16 just because I think they have a little bit more in, in the way of players that can score at a high level. Um and they're not relying on Jordan Ford to, to run the point as much as Utah State relies on their top scorer to run the point for them. So um, I think Ford will have a, a few more open opportunities than Merrill, and I, and I think that uh, a Fitz as well provides a solid uh, floor-spacing big that, that Utah State might have a little bit of a lack of. Yeah, and we saw Washington last able to neutralize Merrill, able to neutralize Cato, uh, enough to where that game, I think, was a lot less competitive than a lot of people thought it would be for that reason. Yeah, definitely. I think I think uh, Gonzaga is definitely capable of being a Sweet 16 team, possibly an Elite 8 team, and I agree with Connor. I don't think Utah State is a Sweet 16 team. I think, actually, like you said, St. Mary's is capable of making a run in the NCAA tournament to the Sweet 16. Maybe, I don't know, it could go further. But they are capable of getting an NCAA tournament win. One through five on that uh, starting five is just too deep or too good. And I think they are much better than the Aggies in the Gales. Okay, well, we've closed each one of these conference preview podcasts with a bold prediction. I know we're covering two conferences on this one, so you can give me two if you'd like, Arden. But what is your bold prediction for the West Coast Conference and the Mountain West Conference? Bold prediction for the West Coast Conference? I'll go with Pepperdine being a NCAA tournament team sneaking into that first four. Uh, I know that that seems a bit crazy, but they have if they can do well in their non-conference schedule and they can get sneak out a win against a Gonzaga and St. Mary's team maybe once or twice, I don't see why this team can't be capable of taking it to the NCAA tournament. Colby Ross is quite the scorer and leader for this Wave team, so it's quite possible. As for the Mountain West, um, I guess my crazy prediction would be that 
Utah State wins the Mountain West. San Diego State gets in, but San Diego State ends up farther, going in farther to the NCAA tournament than the Aggies. I could see the San Diego State Aztecs maybe getting into the Sweet 16. Okay. Connor, what about you? Let's hear it. Um, so my, my bold prediction for the WCC is kind of more, I don't even know if it's bold anymore. I was going to say that that Gonzaga has no more than two players on the first team, all WCC, which is a 10, a 10 team first team. Uh, but they, they only had one in the preseason coaches poll. So, so that kind of shoots that one down. I guess, I guess I will say, um, I, I, I don't think that there'll be any Gonzaga player that's really in the running for conference player of the year. As I would agree as, on that. As good as they yeah, are, I fair. think it comes down to Ford and Ross and possibly Childs uh, um, as, as what I would consider kind of a third, uh, third option on a team that has a little bit more in the way of star players on that BYU roster. Um, for the Mountain West, it's kind of a cop-out. I don't think San Jose State finishes last. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that they have I think they have a little bit more uh, than, than Wyoming does at this point in time. Uh, so I'm going to say that might be a cop-out, but I'm going to say they, they don't finish last and Arizona – or not Arizona, Air Force, sorry. Air Force finishes in the top five. Okay. That would be huge for the Spartans – for for the Mountain West, for me, uh, I'll kind of give two because uh, I, I guess my biggest one would be that I think uh, Steve Alford starts to earn a little bit more street cred back. Okay. Coaching in Nevada, I, I think he's going to exceed expectations at Nevada. I don't know exactly what that looks like, and I'm not going to say they're going to make the NCAA tournament or anything like that, uh, but I think his tenure at UCLA ended so poorly and the talent at Nevada that's still there uh, is, is in the top half uh, of the conference. And I don't necessarily think his style, because he didn't necessarily coach, um, really <laughs> fit in at UCLA and made a difference. But one thing he does do is he kind of lets his players free wheel and gives them space to kind of do their own thing. And I think when a team like Nevada has a talent advantage, that plays a heavily in their favor. So I could see Nevada exceeding expectations. I also think New Mexico uh, finishes, I don't want, finishes in the top three in the Mountain West and really pushes for an NCAA tournament bid. I don't think they get it, but I do think they're on that bubble and one of the first couple teams out of the tournament. Um, maybe make a run in the conference tournament, but that's kind of what I see there. In the West Coast Conference, I'm going to say that neither St. Mary's nor Gonzaga makes it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. I just have too many concerns about Gonzaga's backcourt. I think Few is too good of a coach for them to really struggle or have anything really alarming happen during the regular season. Uh, but when it comes to the NCAA tournament, uh, I think we're going to see those woes kind of come back to bite them. That, that I mean that makes sense, um, but yeah, I I, I I think that it's gonna be somewhat of a disappointing year for both 
the Mountain West and the WCC, mainly because I think the expectations are set so ridiculously high this year for the WCC that there's no way they can can clear those. And, and I just I just don't like the Mountain. I mean, even Utah State, I think is is kind of somewhat somewhat overhyped. Um, but I just don't like the Mountain West um, really at all this year in terms of competing for multiple bids. I would say that this con- these conferences combined, like they have the potential of getting five teams total into the tournament. I mean, it might not be five. I think it'll actually be around four, but it's possible. They have a lot of talent, and I know that the expectations are high, especially from the big media members for the West Coast Conference, but I do think it's a three-bid league with Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and Pepperdine. It should be interesting. I think the West Coast Conference will be a lot of fun this season and a lot more competitive, which is saying a lot because last year was the most competitive West Coast Conference I've seen in quite a while. I, I think the race between Gonzaga and St. Mary's at the top is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and to Connor's point in the Mountain West, I do think there's sort of a hard ceiling on Utah State, even though they may win the conference by a game or two. Uh, but that race between St. Mary's and Gonzaga, I think, is going to be a lot of fun to watch in the West Coast Conference. For sure. All right, well, that'll do it for us. Thank you very much for listening. For my co-host, Connor Hope, thank you to Arden Carvalho for joining us. I'm Brian Ralph. We'll talk to you guys next time.